What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Joining us today is Chase Beringer, a professional experience creator and adventurer who has spent a decade traveling the globe breaking world records and starting businesses focused on travel and connection. He is passionate about showing people what's truly possible. He has been to seven wonders of the world, six continents, has four world records, and has hit 83 of his 100 bucket list items done. Chase, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Honestly, I'm I'm super, super excited to be here. No, I'm excited to have you, man. So I want to hear about all these different things, but what are your world records that you have? Uh, so my most recent one last year was, uh, so all of them were ridiculous. Can I just throw it out there immediately? These are not like, oh, this all makes sense. They're, they're things that I just saw and I was like, oh, that seems crazy. So the last one, uh, to give you context was the fastest speed volcano boarding. Uh, so went down to Mexico to, uh, Pericutin. It's like one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's a crazy volcano. So I had never done that, by the way, before that world record. So fastest speed volcano board. Uh, I did the highest altitude achieved by stock motorcycle. Um, that was on the world's highest volcano. So I have like a, a volcano trend. Uh, <laughs> here. Yeah. And then uh, with, uh, with a huge group uh, called the World Domination uh, Summit, the World Domination Summit, we did the uh, world's largest breakfast in bed. So we literally got, you know, and then donated all the beds afterwards to like the, the homeless centers and things like that. That was a, that was really, really, really cool. Uh, and actually, so I, I have a lot of small world records that I don't even like throw in because it's not like I have like, we did this big one. So the world's longest yoga chain, we did like yoga for an hour, all in poses. We beat India. So take it India. Wow. Uh, and then like a lot of silly ones, like the most people singing happy birthday, blowing out candles. We did a bunch of group ones, but the main two were these last two, the last uh, last year and the year before. Uh, and actually I'm on the hunt for another one. So when you say world record, is this through the Guinness book of world records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now, like my, my volcano boarding world record is in process. So it's still getting approved. It's been approved for the first kind of leg of it. And now it's in the final approval stage. Uh, they do take forever. Uh, but it's, I, I got it. I got like multiple angles. I got a drone angle. We have everything. So it's, I actually broke it twice. I didn't know that I broke it the first time I broke the record. I literally saw, we didn't know it until the camera, we were looking at it months later, but I actually broke it the first time. And then three times later, broke it again. That's crazy. So, so it sounds like that record you already had broken without realizing it and then reached out. But do you typically reach out to Guinness Book World Record and say, hey, I want to have a record. Can we work always together? before? Always totally. Before. It's yeah. always before. Yeah. And, and we don't fly Guinness out or anything because literally like Petit Coutine for anyone who has been there, which is probably no one. 
it's in it's eight hours from Mexico City. We had to do a five hour horse ride to get to it. Like literally, it is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and this is with no experience in any of this. We just showed up, me and my friends, and we're just like, all right, can here's a sandboard. Can someone please put some stainless steel on the bottom? And then I had my motorcycle gear on and I just just bombed it, you know. Wow. So to break the record, is it more just about kind of going for it? Cause a lot of people aren't doing volcano boarding plus finding something like steep enough where you can get that speed going. It's just stupid. It's just, it's a stupid thing that no one tries because standing volcano boarding is totally different than sitting most people. So a lot of people listening to this are travelers. You might've been in Nicaragua where they have the volcano boarding where you're sitting. That's a totally different experience, which is super fun, but standing and doing it is a totally different thing because you can't carve like it's snow. Uh, so you're just bombing in a straight line. And for us, we didn't see this volcano beforehand. I, I went to Google and I was like, volcanoes. Uh, and I, I just saw the prettiest one and I was like, oh, that's gorgeous. Let's just go there. And literally my friends were just like, okay, cool. So where's that? Let's go to Mexico and just do it. And so we had nowhere, there was no stopping. My, they were like, okay, we're gonna throw a mattress in front of you to stop you. But I'm going like, 35, 40 miles an hour down this hill and it's just volcanic rock underneath me. So I, I crashed every single time so hard. It was so intense. Oh my God. Yeah, it's kind of like snowboarding down a mountain, but you can't stop. And yeah, no stopping, no curving. And then at the bottom is a huge rock wall with trees lining the edges. So I have to force myself to crash. But if I crash not straight on and roll directly straight and I go off the edge, the rocks get bigger, the trees are there. It's like, it was so stupid. This was, I mean, I won't say it's my stupidest thing, but it's definitely up there on the things I don't, my mom has pissed at me for. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was just talking to my mom the other day about how I've done uh, about 10, 15 hours of uh, private plane flying towards my license. And she yeah. was like, yeah, don't tell me that. I was like, oh, it's safer than driving. And she's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I just don't want to know. I don't care the yeah. actual math behind this. Yeah, I tell her afterwards. I tell her after the fact, and she's okay with that. I mean, she's not okay with it, but she's much better than, hey, this is going to happen uh, at 2 a.m. your time. Go ahead and stay up all night. Right, right, right. Uh, no, that's that's awesome, man. So you've been to six continents. What's your favorite continent? What's your least favorite continent? So, I, I mean, honestly, I, I wish it was harder for me, but it's, it's so simple. It's like Asia is my favorite continent and Southeast Asia specifically, because like I grew up as a broke backpacker, excuse me, I didn't grow, I grew up broke and then I became a broke backpacker where I was couch surfing. And then I went to Southeast Asia and for anyone who's been there, you can live like a king for like hardly anything. So imagine the first time in my whole life, I'm looking at a menu, like a dinner menu in Thailand and everything is a dollar fifty. Yes. And I'm like, I will get the king prawn pad thai, I'll get three of those and then keep the smoothies coming, more chocolate. Yes. I remember. I, so I went to Myanmar. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Yes, I have. And I was, I went out to dinner with a guy. It was a guy from Brazil and then a, a different girl from Brazil in staying in the same hostel with us in uh, Bagan, Myanmar. Yep. And we went out for dinner and I had this huge plate of chicken and noodles. It was delicious. And it was a dollar. He got something similar, a dollar. She sat with us. She's like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'll just, I'm just going to have a drink. Had a beer, had another beer. It wound up being like 2 or $3. And so our dinners combined were cheaper than her drinks. Literally. And then, did, so when you were in Bagan, did you see all the scorpions? Was it like, scor I don't know if it's scorpion season, but when I was there, 
thousands of scorpions all on the street, the cars, it'd just be black lines of dead scorpions. They were everywhere. Wow. No, thankfully was, I missed, oh, that would have been cool to see. So yeah, I, I missed oh, that yeah. season. Yeah. They were giant. They're like the biggest scorpions in the world. And there's that tens of thousands everywhere. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great thing to just share. Cause you know, we're, I mean, I live in the United States right now. I'm based in San Diego, which I had no idea when I left New York city, it was going to be so pricey. It's very yeah. expensive here, gas, food, everything's really pricey rent. And, you know, so, so living uh, or traveling through Southeast Asia is a great way, you know, to reposition, save money, enjoy life, but also, you know, other than the, the money, you know, obviously it's very inexpensive, but what else about Southeast Asia or Asia in general most appeals to you? Thank you for asking. Cause uh, like I said, it's, it's my favorite part of the world. So first of all, the people are so kind. Uh, they're, they're true. Like they're not being nice to you. So they get a good tip. They're not, they're not trying to be uh, kind just to, you know, have you uh, join their tour or something. There's everyone that I experienced. I mean, maybe it's a couple of taxi drivers, not, but in general, the majority of people are incredibly kind and they're very helpful people. Uh, as I said, before, the food is top notch. Uh, and we're talking, that's Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, like, you know, Laos, everything going through incredible food. Uh, Thailand, for example, my favorite country to travel to. I'm a huge fan. I lived there for a year. The north is the jungle, right? You still have tribes that wear like the golden rings around their neck, stretching their neck. You go down to the center of Thailand. You have Bangkok, one of the most incredible cities in the whole world. And then you keep going south. You could take a train from Bangkok and you hit the islands. Some of the most incredible islands in the world, white sand beaches. They have amazing festivals uh, throughout the year. Songkran Festival, it's actually coming up in like a week or two. Uh, I think it's like April 15th and it's the water festival. Million, it's like 18 million people are outside their houses in a giant water fight for three days. Like it's super fun. Super that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I when in 2017, I went with my friend. We started in Vietnam in the north, worked our way to sort of the middle, Da Nang uh, area. Then we went to uh, to Thailand, and then I flew up to I went uh, Cambodia. Me, I basically went all over Southeast Asia. It was so much fun. So I totally yeah. know what you're saying. And for those who are listening who haven't been, highly, highly recommend that. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you the opposite question, which is what was your least out of the six continents that you've been to? I'm assuming Antarctica is the one you haven't been to yet. I haven't been to. I haven't been to it yet. Uh, however, in December, that's the that's the goal. I, I'm trying to raise money right now to trek to the South Pole, actually. Um, wow. So that's that's definitely my going to be my seventh and in a big way too. National Geographic is coming. So it's just, yeah, it's definitely something I'm very excited about. Um, so to answer, are you saying continent or country? Because it's super tough. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, let's do both. I mean, so out of the six continents you've been to, which are, uh, yeah, we're going to hate on some places right now. Come on. But, that's but, so, no, I, I mean, I literally, let's, we can only do country because how can I say like South America when they have Peru? How could I say North America when America is so incredible? Mexico is so incredible. Europe, how could I possibly you don't like say Canada? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, why do you, why, yeah, why did we say the, the country that maybe was not the best experience out of all the places you've been to? Yeah, honestly, I, and, and I'll, I'll zoom it down and I'm sure I'm going to get a couple people pissed at me uh, to Rio de Janeiro at night. That is, that is my one place that I no longer want to be in. I've ran tours there. Uh, it's across the board, especially during Carnival. Uh, every time I go there, I get robbed. 
uh, my assistant guides get robbed, local guides get robbed, my whole group. I've had people in my group get beaten up randomly on the street and robbed. Like, I, I swear, I'm the least person who's gonna say, oh, don't travel because it's dangerous because that's not my experience of the world, uh, except for my personal experience and the experience of the tours that I've led there. And you know, from my friends who've led tours there, it's, it is common at nighttime uh, if you're walking with your group or alone to, to get mugged, unfortunately. Wow. I'm glad uh, I, I know this now, or maybe not glad, but I, I went to Rio de Janeiro with my friend from college and we were told not to be out at night, not to go down by the beach. And we just did everything. We drank, we yeah. went down to the beach, we walked around alone in the dark. Um, we actually totally. went like to parties with local. It's so bad, but yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's great. And that's fun too. Like I, I would never, that's part of the adventure though. Right. is that you know people say don't do this and i'm gonna i'm gonna skirt that edge i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little bit of crazy stuff because it's almost like a drug to do the dangerous thing so i, I totally get why and i've been that guy a million times it's just if i'm thinking of the whole world uh specifically real not i can't even say whole brazil because brazil is unbelievable uh but the whole world is unbelievable it's just nighttime rio it, uh, I'm not going to lead tours there at nighttime. Let's put it that way anymore. It's just, uh, it's too dangerous. I, I've, I've spent too many nights in the hospital, uh, in Rio and no fun, no fun. Wow. So I want to, so you said you've been to, uh, the seven wonders of the world, but aren't there seven wonders of the ancient world and then seven wonders of the new yes. world? Exactly. So the ancient world, those are, uh, most of those, I think like six of the seven, I could be wrong on this, but are are gone. It was like they the, don't exist the, anymore. Yeah. The gardens of Babylon, the you know this kind of stuff. That's that's old. That's why I think it was 2002 or so. National Geographic had a, a global vote around the world for what the new wonders of the world would be. That's why a lot of people are shocked when they hear that the pyramids, for example, are not one of the wonders of the world because they're uh, it one was of the literally, ancient, right? Well, no, not only that. It's uh, it just didn't get the votes. It was like number eight out of the seven, which is outrageous because uh -huh. obviously everyone here listening to this who's been to the pyramids, they deserve to be on that. Like, I love the Colosseum and all, that's dope, but the pyramid, I mean, come on, the history is totally should be in there. So uh, yeah, I, I went to those and I actually went to those early on. And then I started my first tour company based on, uh, I had been to the vast majority of the most incredible cultural experiences. So like running with the bulls, uh, different uh, New Year's celebrations around the world, Holy Festival in India, things like this. And then I created tours around what I considered to be the best uh, experiences on earth, including the wonders of the world and those cultural festivals. Gotcha. I'm just looking at the list now. So we got the Great Wall of China, yeah. Taj Mahal. Um, what is Petra Jordan? Is that an actual... Yeah, so yeah. Yes. So Jordan is the country, Petra. Um, it's both a town and it's a uh, ancient site, which is uh, they carved the city into stone. But we're talking about massive cliff faces. Um, the most famous one is you walk through at the very beginning, you walk through this cavern and then it just like it, it's like an explosion of beauty when you come out of this cavern and it opens up to it's called the treasury. And it's an unbelievable rock wall um, cliff that is that was carved by hand uh, I thought 1500 years ago I believe um, they have night experiences there and I was very lucky I, I've been able to see that by myself no other tourists around the pyramids by myself the Great Wall of China by myself uh, I think there was a couple others by myself that I was just very lucky uh, to 
like for when I was in uh, Egypt, I was there during the revolution in 2013. So there was no tourists. The, the embassy was like, hey, all tourists get out. I was a broke backpacker back then, totally broke. So I was like, I literally can't afford a flight. Are you guys going to fly me out? And they were like, no, we don't do that. So I was like, well, I guess I'm staying here because I can't afford a thousand dollar flight right now. So I just stayed through the revolution and got to see all these crazy uh, things that are normally just hordes of tourists, but it felt like it was in the 1300s and I'm riding a camel across the, you know, the, the desert is amazing. Wow. That's incredible. So I, I just counted for myself. I've, I've been to, I didn't even know this. So I've been to the great wall of China. I've been to the Taj Mahal. I've been to the Coliseum. I've been to Christ the redeemer in Brazil and I've been to Machu Picchu. So I've been to five of the seven. And so Petra Chichen Jordan is, is the one that I have. And then what's the other one? Chichen Itza, Mexico. It's actually literally three hours from where I'm sitting right now. I'm in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Uh, so Chichen Itza is, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, it's a pyramid. So it's a Mayan pyramid. Uh, incredibly beautiful. Well, everything's well manicured. It's not like wow. um, if you go to Guatemala, you'll, you'll be walking through the jungle and there'll be a lot of vines. And it's almost like you discovered this and it's not very well kept, but in a good way, it feels like you're kind of an archaeologist. This one is like the ultimate tourist one where it's like perfectly manicured lawns. Uh, like it's exactly as if they had just built it. Um, but the stories behind it, all of these wonders of the world, you got to understand, they are not just the most beautiful things. They have stories, they have history and culture in every aspect of them. So for example, at Chichen Itza, uh, on the solstice every year, uh, I think it's the winter solstice, not the summer, the winter solstice, uh, uh, there will be a snake will appear across the whole side of the pyramid. Uh, and it will go all the way slithering down this, uh, this shadow. It only happens once a year. And this is where they would actually do human sacrifices on the top. And as you clap, you clap at the bottom and you can hear your clap reverberating all the way up to the top of the pyramid. So many cool facts that if you're just on Googling stuff, you're like, ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, that's pretty. Oh no, I don't wanna pay $10 for a tour guide. So then you don't know any of this stuff. Uh, it's, trust me, all of them are worth it. They're unbelievable. Uh, I'm a fan. That's why I created a whole dang company around it and ran tours there because it blew my mind. I couldn't believe yeah. it. No, I, I love that you align that passion and experience with, with a business. Uh, that's incredible. I'm looking at the list right now. I mean, the Taj Mahal was incredible. It didn't even seem yeah. real. Like you look at yeah. pictures of it and it looks like a painting and then you go and it still looks like that. So that was incredible. Um, the Great Wall of China was probably the most impressive to me other than maybe Machu Picchu. Mm. And the thing yeah. about Machu Picchu that I thought was fascinating is greenery and shrubbery grew over everything. Yeah. So it was totally just hidden. And then some guy discovered it. And then they were like, hey, there's this insane thing that yeah. may have never been discovered, which also begs the question, do you think there might be another wonder of the world that we don't know about? course. I have no question. So literally a year ago or less, I, it's like what, nine months ago, they found, are you ready for this number? People fuck, listen up. 60,000 pyramids and structures. They just found in the last year in Gu the Guatemalan jungle, they used LIDAR with airplanes and they went over the jungle to search for structures. An entire civilization they didn't know existed was just discovered. And here's one of the coolest parts it hasn't been uh, explored yet. So imagine this, nine months ago, they go, hey, we flew a plane over with some lasers. 
there seems to be like legit tens of thousands of structures, an entire civilization with millions of people and no one has ever seen it before. So guess what needs to happen now? Archeologists have to go and they have to raise the money to get the teams, to get everything set up, to go in. People have just started in the last five months going in. It's gonna take years, decades to really explore this uh, to its fullest. But it, there is so much still to be found, especially in Africa. I mean, it, it's so exciting, really. It's one of my favorite, my favorite things. Absolutely, no, that sounds incredible. So what would you say is your favorite? I had Scott Keys on the show. Yeah. He was actually, this is episode 100 something. He was episode three years ago when I first launched. And I asked him this question. Obviously, it's very much his line of work more than you, but you've traveled so much. So my question is, what is your best travel hack that you know or some of your totally. favorites? Um, so that's a great question. So I actually used to teach travel hacking before I even started my travel company. That was my, my blog was all about how to get free flights and free hotels and stuff. Um, honestly, it, as long as you're an American, the greatest travel hack is always going to be for me simply getting credit cards that allow you to have tens of thousands of miles for a $1,000 minimum spend within three months. You just Google credit card for travel and then just see what has the highest amount of miles for the lowest amount of minimum spend, which means you're forced to spend this over three months. So let's say it's $1,000. You just spend that normal stuff. You replace your debit card spending with the credit card spending $350 a month. You're paying for your gas, your groceries, everything. You wait one month, they'll give you all of those miles into your account. You write it down. What's your password? What's your login information? Because it's life happens, work gets crazy. You totally forget about it. You have a free flight to anywhere in the world just because you decided to use your credit card for three months instead of a debit card. And then you can cut it up. You never have to touch it again. Uh, I mean, it's so simple. And it's like when most people ask about travel hacking, they don't even think about like just the most basics, but I traveled. I had over a million airline miles. I had very little money. I had like two grand. I was a caregiver in Oregon, traveling the world like a boss. Like I was doing the coolest stuff in the world, staying in five-star hotels, first-class flights. And I was broke. I had a, a muddy backpack and terrible shoes. Like, I mean, we're talking about broke, but I mean, everyone was like, do you sell drugs? Like, what is going on? How are you affording this? And I'm like, <laughs> anybody can do it. There's books on it. I, I have an ebook on my old website, The Bucketless Lifestyle. Uh, it's, it's literally from like seven years ago, so don't judge me on it, but uh, that's it's still good. It says the basics. How do you get your first free flight? I'll always stick with that one. That's so good. Yeah, I remember when I was living in New York City, I would use credit card points for my flights. I would take my place in Manhattan and rent it on Airbnb for like 150 to 200 bucks a night. I would use that money for the hotels or hostels where I was traveling to and the food. And it would actually net out a profit. And so people would yeah. say, Oh my God, you're in Singapore. You're in Southeast Asia. You're, you're living this millionaire lifestyle. I'm like, dude, it's not the millionaire lifestyle. It's the new rich lifestyle. It's the credit card hacking, the smart lifestyle. Totally, man. I, I we're both on the same page. And I think this is something that's that most people don't realize it's, Almost always, in, if you're talking about Asia, specifically Southeast Asia or Latin America or Africa, if you're traveling and living in those countries, you're going to be saving money by working and living in those money, uh, sorry, those countries yeah. than you would if you were living in America. And most people are like, wait, I can travel the world, 
do whatever I want, have an incredible lifestyle, crossing off bucket list items, doing epic stuff on the weekends, and I will save money. Like that doesn't cost me money to get rid of my lease, to get to sell my house, all this stuff. And I'm like, you don't have to. You could live a life of adventure without dropping everything while you're still living in the States or living wherever you are. You don't need to. But if you choose to, unless you're in Europe, it's almost surely going to be uh, less expensive than the United States. Yeah, no, it's so true, especially now. Um, so what do you do uh, professionally? Uh, I'm curious about what the bucket lifestyle is. And I know you used to plan retreats. Do you still run retreats? Like, what are you up to these days work-wise? Yeah, so uh, kind of the way that it, it progressed was I started with the bucket list lifestyle. And that was where people would, I would create these epic experiences that were uh, super fun, and it was application only. So people would apply from my community. And then I made sure that like uh, all of the personalities would vibe really well. And I would do small group tours all around the world. Uh, that, that has stopped now. Uh, we don't run any more tours as of now. Uh, and then I shifted into running a lot of personal development retreats. I got really into personal development myself. I became a coach myself running these retreats. But I felt like it was always something missing when I was just doing personal development or just doing adventures. Right. So for me, I actually, I was like, my ultimate skill set is creating experiences that connect people. Like that's at the core of no matter what I do, whatever it, it comes out of, whatever it's marketed as, at the end of the day, it is getting people together, connecting them in incredible places and having incredible experiences together. So uh, I created the bucket list experiences and the bucket list experiences is simply that. I, I started running a lot of um, corporate uh, connection experiences personal development retreats for other coaches. So I stopped coaching myself and I would have people hire my company to, so they can just show up. So imagine like you're a coach, you wanna run a retreat, but you're like, my personal assistant's never done this before. I've never done this. It's, it seems like a hell of a lot. I don't wanna mess up because I hear horror stories all the time. So it's like, cool, hire us. We'll make sure that you're gonna profit. You literally only have to get the people there. You're responsible for marketing, you show up, you teach. You don't have to deal with someone's air conditioner is broken. You don't have to worry when you know something goes wrong, the van doesn't show up or where we're going next. You just teach. You just have a good time. You sell on the back end. So you make a, a ton of money on the back end, normally not a ton on the front, just enough to feel good, but the back end is the real money. And then we create the experiences so you don't even have to think. And, and we get what we love. You know, I, I only hire guides in my company who genuinely like, they're so passionate about it they created this experience from scratch and it's like they're everything we do is custom so every single trip is different we never go cookie cutter uh because we would get bored i mean i, I that's not that's not my personality so now that's what i do is i create unique experiences around the world uh and and that, that honestly includes corporate teams private groups personal development experiences as well uh mm -hmm. the focus is always unique experiences run at a very high level that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I appreciate what you say about the front and back end on it, because the purpose to me of the retreat is the community, the connection, the value, the trust, the experience. And some of these things, especially the way I want to run a retreat is the price is going to get expensive. So yeah. unless I'm charging 10, 20 K or more per person, I'm not going to make a ton of cash on it as yeah, opposed to exactly. if I send someone for coaching and I can just do that either me or one of my coaches from a zoom room. Totally. But when I ran my last retreat, in Costa Rica, in Nasara in 2019, which was yeah. awesome, by the way. It was so much fun. We did ATVing. 
beach, surfing, pool. It, it was just such a great and, and it was um, me and another coach. She does yoga and meditation. And then I did the business coaching. It was all entrepreneurs who are coaches. And it was just such a great one-two punch experience overall. And then obviously so many of those people who were there turned into coaching clients for all of us. Exactly. And so that's, what's really interesting to me is like creating those experiences. But now I also have group programs where I would bring already existing clients there. Um, So you do both. That's, I I always recommend people do both because they should see. So like, let's say for example, you're bringing a group to Costa Rica, easy example. Uh, You want to have like a third of the people there already your clients so that they can show you, oh, this is what one step ahead of me looks like. And yeah. they're able to, to be there saying, oh yeah, I work with brand. I'm, I'm going to be re-upping for sure because this is incredible. Or they can have those one-on-ones without you even there. They're, they're already half sold because they know, wow. hey, these people are reasonable. They're smart. They seem very successful at what they do. They're very happy clearly. Uh, and what I, I see all the time and what I tell coaches to do, include it in your packages. Like if you're going to have a year long package, yeah. you get that retreat in there. So they're going and they're just feeling so happy because it's almost, it almost feels like it's free. It feels like it's free. For it. Yeah. You sell, exactly. you sell them the high ticket experience and then you add you free tuition for this retreat. Um, exactly. And then, but yeah, that's funny you say that because I actually just went to an event in Nashville. It wasn't a retreat. It was more like a mastermind event, yeah. but I think they could have sold tickets to that. I mean, it's a high end mm-hmm. experience. I'm paying a lot to be in that community and it comes with the event. But you know, what if they brought in some other people who weren't official members yet, sold tickets for maybe like five or 10 K super valuable, had a run. And then those people for sure would be greatly primed to then sign up for that full experience. Totally. That's how you make six figures on a retreat. You'd never make it on the front end. It's always on the back end. Maybe you make 10, 20 K on the front end, but that really is uh, what I found from working with coaches is like, that's the feel good front end where worst case scenario, nobody signs up. I have an amazing experience and I made five figures uh, from having fun. That's the absolute worst case. But even if one person signs up, as you know, high five figure, six figure client, that's, that's worth it. You know, if, if I could tell you, I'd have an amazing experience for you for a week, you have a blast and you made 50 grand, hundred grand, 200 grand. Right. That's it's simple. It's of course. Yeah. Let's go have some fun. And we do all the work. So yeah, no, yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say too, is the the one in Costa Rica, we had um, someone basically who had reached out to me and Amanda and said, Hey, we want to put you guys together. We want you guys to do a retreat. Um, If you contact your audience and fill the seats, like we'll do everything else. We'll take a cut. And I was like, Oh yeah, hundred percent. Let's do that. Cause then when we got down there, you know, people needed help with logistics and there was everything, you know, as in every group, there's always a problem child and we had a big one. And so she was yeah. like, Oh, I, you know, I might want a refund. I want a different room. And like to be able to say, I don't do any of that. I don't want to touch that. Exactly. You know, that yeah. was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I took whatever profit I made just on the front end and I invested it in saying, Hey, to my team, I'm paying for your flights. I'm flying you out. Mm-hmm. You get free tuition on the experience. Um, and that was great. That, I mean, that's a way to really invest in your team too. Totally. And a videographer as well. It's yeah, always we great. Two. Of course to show. Yeah. We had two. Yeah. We had two come, um, one per, and they both worked for me already. And one was very high end video person. Um, but totally. yeah. Okay. So where would you say are the three best places that you've ever seen put on or experienced retreats, coaching retreats in the world? I'm going to say, I'm going to say places that you probably haven't 
thought of um, that. And that's why they're so incredible because it's just so mind blowing there. Uh, the first one is Guatemala. Um, so Atitlan, uh, Antigua, uh, creating experiences there. It's incredibly inexpensive with unbelievably helpful local people. So we're able to create so many unique experiences that would honestly be a little bit illegal in the States, it's blowing up stuff, having, you know, planes land in water, like all this stuff that like normally there's so much red tape. Our group is able to do pretty much whatever they want because there's not a lot of rules. People are super helpful. And it really is like, if you got the money to do it, let's do something crazy. Uh, so of course we don't risk anyone's safety, but you can still create a lot of epic things that you normally wouldn't have to. So Guatemala, unbelievably beautiful, active volcanoes, lava shooting out, so much to do. Tanzania, uh, if you can include uh, like the Serengeti, the safari in your retreat, especially um, like men's coaches, I, I love this because there's actually more predators in the Serengeti than anywhere on earth. Every time that you go out, you're seeing things born, they die, they, it is unbelievable. And we actually go and live with tribes. So uh, I, I brought a group there before where we lived with the Hadza Bay tribe, their hunter-gatherer tribe, and they have no possessions outside of their knife and their bow and arrow, and they make arrows uh, right there. They have no huts, they sleep under trees in the dirt. We went hunting with them. We lived with the Maasai as well, lived uh, with the Maasai warriors. Just like so many experiences that are just jaw dropping, you know, unbelievable. Th this kind of stuff is what I'm talking about of like, that's unique. It's hey, not just we're going to, you know. Heavy, that sounds totally. crazy. It really is. It, it's unbelievable as, as well as gorilla trekking in Uganda. So Tanzania, it's just a short flight up. You go to uh, Kissimmee and then you take uh, another flight into the impenetrable forest. And that's where like, it's just, it, it's next level. It's next level. Wow. So Guatemala, Tanzania, Serengeti, and then what's three? And then Peru, the, the probably uh, Peru, one of two places in Peru. So the Sacred Valley uh, with a stop, of course, going in for a couple of days to Machu Picchu uh, as a part of that, especially if it's like a plant medicine kind of experience where they can have their aya or ayahuasca or whatever they're going to experience, or even just uh, without plant medicine, there's un unbelievably powerful shamanistas and shamans uh, in that area that were able to have a lot of spiritual, powerful experiences um, without medicine. And so uh, the other space in Peru, of course, is the north of Peru, which is uh, you fly into Iquitos and it's the Peruvian Amazon. So uh, I've brought groups to go and live uh, with an Amazonian, Amazonian tribe uh, to for specifically for uh, an ayahuasca week. Um, and a lot of, and hunting with them and, and getting that primal uh, experience. So yeah, those, those places are, are unique for sure. We do, we do a lot less insane and tense stuff as well, but those are my three favorites. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm just curious, like the big ones, um, not the most common, what would you say is a place where a lot of people would think I want to do a retreat, but you would actually say, no, you know, I, I wouldn't do it there. Totally. So Tulum, uh, so that's actually like an hour south of where I am right now. That's super common because it's so, especially during COVID, it, it got a lot of marketing, a lot of push because it, it, there was no masks necessary in general down there. So a lot of people went, were living there, a lot of influencers and a lot of people uh, were doing retreats down there. I ran a retreat down there about four months ago, six months ago. Uh, we paid 24 grand for a villa, like back end cost. Like we had to pay that 
and, and that came with nothing, bare bones. We had to pay insane amounts of money for videographer, for food, for, for any activity. It was 10X the price that, maybe not 10, 5X the price of what uh, pretty much anywhere else would be. So in two weeks, we're running a trip in Mexico. We had a client, we're like, okay, you should go to Oaxaca and Puerto Escondido on the West Coast. So we're actually in two weeks running a retreat where we're starting in Oaxaca City and then moving to Puerto Escondido better beaches, better sunsets, incredible spiritual experiences, all the things, but for literally a fifth of the price. So the experience is the same or better, but for a fifth of the price, that, and that's able to translate uh, both into the profits of the coach, into us, and into a lower, lower ticket cost for the client. So it's such a win-win all around when the experience is still incredibly high. What do you feel like, and it'd be interesting for me to even audit my Costa Rica experience and think about what I could have done to make it even better. But what do you feel like you see coaches do when they come in and they, it's their first retreat, oh, you know, yeah. you already know. I got that. Yeah. Dude, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I will tell you the number one thing, everyone, if you're a coach and you're running a retreat, and you want to listen up. Everyone does this. I, I beg, I beg coaches not to do this every time. Nobody listens until the second retreat that we do together. Listen up. You do not need to teach everything you've ever learned in one week or in five days or three days. Good. You are giving them so much value just by creating a space for them to connect. You are a master in exactly what you're bringing to the table. You don't need to be a relationship coach for one of your workshops and you need to do a shaman spirituality workshop and you need to do a workshop on money and building your business. Uh, oftentimes coaches are insecure their very first trip and they, they're so worried that people aren't going to have get the value that they were worried about uh, getting. So they pack the itinerary. They give them 10-minute breaks between things. And they're not only exhausted, but they're upset because they came to beautiful Mexico or Guatemala or Africa, and they don't have any time to actually enjoy. They had no time to connect with each other. So the breaks are incredibly important. You don't need to teach everything. Allow for magic to happen. Allow for adventure to happen. Dude, that is so well said. I actually, to give myself some credit, I think I did a pretty good job with that on the first retreat because it was all scheduled by these pros who knew like you, yes. they knew. So like, Brendan, you can teach basically one hour a day type thing. Yeah. You know, so yeah, like yeah. I had a slot once or twice a day, but I went to a retreat in Carmel, California. Yep. One of my old coaches, he brought a group of like five, six of us, same guys, two years in a row. First time, and this is a broader comment for coaches just in general to hear or any business owner. First year, it was awesome. We had a private chef, cookies, brownies, healthy food too, like a lot of downtime, beautiful property. And we did like a morning session, afternoon session, evening session, two to three sessions a day. That was it. Super chill, but a lot of value. And then one of the guys from the group complained a lot to the main coach. I didn't get anything from this experience. It was wasted to come out to California, blah, blah, blah. And this is a guy who's going to complain about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the next year, he did like, like you said, 10-minute breaks. But he'd be like, all right, here's this exercise. Go into your room, write five pages on your computer, come back, we'll share. You have 15 minutes. And it's like, by the time everyone got back, 15 minutes, everyone's head hit the pillow. And George is like, all right, where, you know, where are you guys? Like, we got to meet back up. And I remember feeling horrible after the experience because I'd spent, I was so tired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the connection happens in between the teachings. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they're there for, especially, I tell this to people about your back end sales. 
So backend sales, it's all about getting people to feel connected, both to you, but also to the other people in the group. Other. You yeah. said, totally. So it's like, dude, I want to be a part of this group. I want to be a part of this community. This is me now. I feel amazing. I feel like the best version of myself. And I know the best version of myself can make 10x the money that this, pro that this cost. So you want everyone to feel connected. And that only happens in between the spaces of when you're teaching or when you're taking them on some incredible experience. So it's, it's very important. You got it. Yeah, no, that's well said, man. Well, dude, it's been awesome talking travel, talking retreats yeah. with you. If people are interested in learning more about you and what you do, how can they find you? Uh, yeah, first of all, I was actually talking to uh, talking to you before this started. I have like nothing to sell. I have no book coming out, no course, <laughs> no anything. Uh, I believe this is going to be live streaming on Facebook. So feel free to literally just click on my name. You can even put in the comments if it's not, not already in there. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, you can also copy and paste that into Instagram if you'd like. Um, feel free to send me a message if you have any questions. Uh, that's usually the best way. I'm just here to provide value. Uh, I love helping people out on their journeys. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, dude. Well, Chase, it's so great having you on. I just tagged you in because we are live on Facebook cool. right now. So for Thanks. those of you who are listening to this, the vast majority of you will be through Apple or um, yeah. Spotify. You can go to my Facebook profile, not my page, my profile, facebook.com slash the Brendan Burns. You'll see it there. I tag Chase in that. Hit him up. Let's bomb his DMs. Let's ruin his inbox. <laughs> Chase Barringer, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.